0: we've been going through the, the uh, book of Hebrews, um, the, like bit by bit, and discussing it and unpacking it. And what we've uh, arrived at is that there are really two, two major themes, and they're intertwined together. Um, the first one uh, is that Jesus is better. Um, that's the... Um, that's the uh, I'm waiting for Tony to get my slide up... Um, that, that's the, the kind of overriding theme of the whole book. The um, author is addressing a church that is filled with Hebrews. That's why it's called Hebrews. Um, so, of Jewish believers uh, in uh, the, the first century. And he is, uh, they are being persecuted. They're on the edge of being persecuted. And they're thinking of, of leaving the faith, right? Going back to what they were before. So, the message is continually no don 't do that, Jesus is better, uh, and in order to demonstrate that, the author of Hebrews goes through each of the Old Testament institutions. He starts with the angels, Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than the priesthood. Jesus is better than the temple or the tabernacle. Jesus is better than the old covenant, and he bit by bit he goes through. And deconstructs each and every Old Testament institution, and says all of those things uh, were shadows and copies uh, of what Jesus of the, of the ultimate reality of what Jesus really is. starts out with his thesis statement right in verse uh, one or two, and says uh, in in the old times, right G, uh, God spoke to us through the prophets and all these other things, but in this in this time. He speaks to us in the form of His Son, uh, who is the exact character and imprint uh, of God, right? It's, uh, I, I started out the, by, by telling you that that's a, a, a coin-making metaphor, right? They would hold a die over a sheet of metal and go, bam, like that, and it would bust out a coin with an imprint on it. That's what God did in the form of Jesus, right? He, he held Himself over creation, and Jesus is what you would get if God were made a man. So, uh, somewhat complicated, but that, that's the course of the argument. And then the second point that he makes, right, the thing that flows from that idea of Jesus is better is, don't look back, right, don't, don't go back to what you were. It would be so easy uh, and so um, natural for you to want to go back to, to Judaism, right, because Judaism's allowed to exist within the Roman Empire, uh, and, he, and he says, "No, don't don't go back to that. There's there's no life there anymore. Uh, the the life that you will find is not in a shadow or a copy, but in what the shadow or copy represents in Jesus Christ. So the, that's the the big theme or the big message, and we've kind of worked through that over the last five weeks. Um, and then, uh, but I've I've as we've gone along, you'll all have noted uh, those of you that have been here for the study." that I have skipped various passages, and that's because I'm a chicken, uh, but also uh, because uh, these are some of the hardest passages in in the whole New Testament in the whole Bible. Um, Hebrews contains five warning passages, and we're going to go ahead and read them this week. They're all rather short, uh, and you'll understand as we read through them why they are controversial or why they are difficult to teach. So let's go to Hebrews, uh, and we'll start with chapter 2, 1 through 4. And I guess I, I want to ask everybody uh, tonight uh, for a little bit of grace uh, as I teach through this. Uh, and the reason I say that, I, I was not, uh, I was not uh, exaggerating when I said that these are the hardest passages m- maybe to teach in the whole Bible. Um, they uh, imply, uh, if you read them in certain ways, that you can lose your salvation uh, and I want to—I want n- no one to leave here tonight thinking, as we study these, that that is true. Um, I, I think a clear reading of the Bible is that you—you you cannot lose your salvation. Um, y- you will remain faithful to the end once you are are uh, once you move into a uh, a relationship, a true relationship with Christ. Um, I believe that strongly to be true, based on some other verses that we'll read. So I want no one to to leave with that impression as we read through these and unpack them, um, and that's important, right? When we're talking about matters of salvation, we're talking about matters of eternal life and death, and so this is a, we have to be very careful in how we handle uh, these passages, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a smart enough guy, I guess, um, but um, much more intelligent people than I am have handled this, these passages for 2,000 years, Um, and and not come to a consensus necessarily, like a clear consensus about it. So uh, if you could give me a little bit of grace as we go through here, and if I say something you disagree with, we can certainly discuss it, but but please don't get angry at me. That's all I'm asking. Um, So chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast... Remember, at, at, in verse one, he ta- or chapter 1, he talked about Jesus being better than the angels. He said the law was given to, to um, Moses on Mount Sinai by angels, which is a, a Jewish tradition. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to His own will. So in other words, if you reject the, the, if you reject the, the, the message of Jesus now, how will you ever how can you be saved? So uh, Hebrews four, uh, and that, that one doesn't seem so controversial, right? But Hebrews chapter 4, 12 through 13. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Um... I don't know why I picked that one. Uh, let's go to the next one, uh, which is 6, 4 through 8. Uh, and this is the one that catches most people up, and what we're going to concentrate on uh, as a verse that that is um, uh, difficult to unpack from the, the perspective that we're talking about. So, so chapter 6, 4 through 8 says, For it is impossible. For those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. For the earth with, with drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it and bringeth forth herbs, meat for them by whom it is dressed receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. Um, And then Hebrews 10, 26 through 31. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sorer punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified, an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace." For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And then chapter 12, 25 says, See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall shall not we escape. If we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, uh, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Uh, man, this guy has a way with words. Um, so uh, we have a conundrum, especially in Hebrews six. Um, I think you can see how it's a little a little easier to talk around uh, the the passages that surround it. But in Hebrews six, uh, which I as I said is going to stand in for just about everything else because it's the most complicated. Uh, we have uh, this passage, right, that says, if you've, in verse 4, uh, it's impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift, uh, verse 6, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, right? That, that, that seems a little scary because it seems to imply, right, that you, if you've tasted the heavenly gift, if you've, which you can interpret as being saved, um then it's impossible to return or, or be regenerated um if you if you depart from it. There have been two historical uh kind of perceptions of this this passage, um and I won't go into a, a huge history lesson about it and understand that I'm compressing two very complicated systems into like just like a I'm dehydrating them till they're almost nothing. Um, but two ways of looking at this. Uh, one of them is Arminianism, which I don't know if any of you have heard of that, but is, it's a thought system developed by a guy named Jacob or Yaqub uh, Arminius. Uh, and to him, uh, the, the relationship that we have with God is characterized by human free will. Right? You, you have to be willing to choose God. Uh, and for an Arminian, when they're reading this, they say, well, of course you can lose your salvation. You just decided not to. It, the the um, your relationship with God is voluntary, uh, and if you say, well, you know what, uh, I'm out. Um, I don't not enjoying this anymore. Or this seems difficult, or whatever, right? You have exerted your own free will uh, and left behind that relationship. So the, they read this passage and say, well, yeah, that makes sense. If you if you had this relationship with God and then you you left it, then Uh, of course you're not saved. The other side of the coin uh, is uh, historical Calvinism, or Reformed theology. Uh, And again, understand, uh, John Calvin wrote like tens of thousands of pages about uh, his systematic theology. So what you hear from me tonight is, it's like I, I sucked all the life out of it and reduced it to like two sentences. So uh, please, please, please don't, uh, uh, don't take this as his whole idea. But um, the perspective of Calvinists and Reformed theologians is that y- you don't really have anything to do with your salvation. Um, again, that's, a, that's a, a real broad generalization. But the idea is that, God, you were predestined from the beginning of time to its end to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you were, you, or to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. you were chosen out uh, and you are one of the elect uh, if you are in a relationship with Him, uh, so that your salvation has very little to do with you and a lot to do with God's choosing of you. Uh, that being the case, uh, when a, a reformed theologian reads this, that they can't read it as saying, "You lose your salvation because they're, they're locked into this kind of doctrinal perspective about w- what your relationship with God is like. If God chose you from the beginning of time uh, to its end to have a relationship with, with him, then you didn't have anything to do with being saved. Or you, you, no act or belief of yours has anything to do with you being saved, and so therefore no act or belief of yours can have anything to do with you or not being saved. Um. God, having chosen you, will not reject you. Um, so that's the, the perspective of a Reformed theologian. Um, and you say, well, what, well what, what do we think, right, as Baptists? Um, well, we're not Reformed, uh, and we're not Arminians. So that leaves us in a conundrum, doesn't it? Um, and, and as in every case where um, we're not led by doctrine, uh, I guess the doctrine is let's read the Bible and understand in context what this, right? The, scripture cannot contradict Scripture, right? You use Scripture to interpret Scripture. Um, so I asked myself, is there, any, is there anywhere else in the Bible where we're told once you're saved, you're, you're saved? And the answer is yes. And we'll talk about it in a minute. Um, I don't know what my outline looks like. Hang on. Okay, so ne- next up, let, let, we're, the analysis of this passage that we're going to engage in or talk about, there, there are ways of looking at it. As I said, an Arminian who looks at it would just say, it means what it says. It means what it seems to say. Uh, a Reformed theologian or, or um, somebody who um, understands that the rest of the context of the Bible is about your moving into a relationship with Christ uh and then that relationship being permanent uh is going to go through several analytical steps. Uh, t- Tony, you're not I love you brother but you're not as good as Richard. Richard just move, he's he's moving right through this stuff. On the other hand, our pastor does it all. So, yeah. Where do you need to go? Uh analysis. The three questions. The first question is um Oh, that's not right. It's three. Three key issues. I I told the wrong thing. Sorry. So, uh, and you can just go ahead and show them all, but there there are three uh, questions we need to ask ourselves when we're we're kind of analyzing this question. The first one is, who is the author addressing? Uh, Is he addressing people who are truly saved, right, who truly have a relationship with Christ? Is he addressing people who uh, maybe profess to have a relationship with Christ but don't? Uh, or is he addressing someone else? Um, so that's the first question, right? And the first way that you can kind of figure out, uh, okay, what is, what's the possible range of meanings that this, verse can, that this set of verses can have? Second one is, well, what, what's he telling them not to do? Right? What, what does it mean to fall away or turn away? Um, and right, there's a, there could be a range of, meaning, of meanings there. Does it mean uh, a Actively rejecting, the, 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 um, uh, actively rejecting Christ? Does it mean just not practicing? Does it, what does it mean, right? That's, that's a question that you could ask yourself, and then there's a range of meanings there. And then finally, what's going to happen to you if you do the thing that he warns you about and you're in the group that's being addressed? Um, so what, what does it mean that you're not able to return uh, like what what happens uh, to you as a result of that, uh, and there's uh, there are about um, you know my studies suggest that there are hundreds of ways of looking at all three of these issues and kind of thinking through them and saying um, well uh, you know he's not really addressing saved people so that that kind of gets you out or he's addressing saved people but. Um, the consequence that he's warning of is a lack of earthly blessing. It doesn't have anything to do with your eternal destination. Um, or he's addressing people, and uh, there's um, the the warning is about uh, your eternal destination. But actually, in B, um, he's really it's a hypothetical. Like these aren't real people. It's just a like if you could fall away, this is what would happen. Um, but you can't. So. Um, so, you know, complicated, a way of looking at it, maybe, but but these are really the three questions we can ask about this passage, um, so I want to return really quickly, we're going to read a few verses, and I'm, I, uh, unfortunately, Richard's not here, um, although I love you, Tony, I'm sorry, uh, I, yeah, I feel, man, I feel so negative, uh, just hating on Tony, uh, if you could turn to Romans in your Bibles, I would appreciate it. Chapter 5, 1 through 11 is what we're going to read. Wherefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh uh, not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us in that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us That the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the, manis- the manifestation of the sons of God. That's us. <laughs> for the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now, but not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that, for that we see not, then do we, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Uh, But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So a Reformed theologian would say, uh, and I think we would say, uh, that once you are filled with the Spirit, once you are... Uh, move into a state of relationship with Christ, y- you will not fall out of it. You will be empowered to remain. Uh, and if, if, in fact, you do apostatize and leave, um, that's an indication that you weren't filled with the Spirit in the first place, right? that your, your experience was an emotional one or not genuine. Let's continue. Uh, so I, I think uh, Paul, in Paul's theology, Paul's explanation of what happens to you, Uh, you move into this relationship uh, with uh, Christ and God through the Spirit, um, and it empowers you uh, to uh, maintain that relation, one, to understand the Word, but then also to move into that relationship in a permanent state. Uh, And this can be repeated by the, uh, or you can also see this in the way that Jesus addresses his disciples in John chapter 6, which I'll ask you to turn to. 39 through 40. John chapter 6, 39 through 40, which says, And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. Right? This, is, this is Christ making a promise to his disciples. Right? He's saying, God said that, that all I have gained I will never lose, Ever. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Right? This, this, again, this is Christ speaking to his disciples, it, including guys like Peter, right? Who is later going to say, No, I don't even know who he is, man, right? And, and it's, um, it's a statement, as strong a statement as I can think of, that, that Christ, having gained you, will not let you go. Neither life, nor death, nor principalities, nor powers, nor any power on earth can can separate you from the love of God once you understand and know it. And finally, uh, let's, let's go down to verse 44. I'm sorry. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. And then John 10, 25 through 30. I'm going to check my watch, but it's not because I'm bored. It's because I don't want to bore you. Okay, 25 through 30. Uh, for those of you who are visiting, tonight, I always, um, about 35 minutes in, you start to lose people. So that's where I start to, it's where I start to wrap up no matter what's happening. Uh, so 10, 25 through 30 says, Jesus answered them, I told you. And ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them to me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one um that not coincidentally that's where the the um that's where the uh, the Jewish leaders get tired of him uh, and are like this is, this has got to end uh and they pick up rocks to stone him so um let's return to hebrews and my outline so I already talked about the, the Arminianism uh, and Calvinism. Let's go to uh, Roman numeral five, Tony. Thank you. So the, there are three ways to think of this, um, I, I think four ways to think of this. Um, first of all, um, maybe these are professing believers, but they are truly unsaved, right? They're people who've heard the word and said, you know, with their church community, they're like, yes, we, we believe this, um, but in their heart, they don't, right? And if, if that's the case, then that solves, right? Uh, chapter 6, 4 through 8, because if it's addressed to people who are professing but not believers, uh, and they, they turn away, uh, God, God is basically saying, I'm not going to provide you with the means of grace uh, if you're, you're play-acting, uh, in, in, you know, in my congregation. Um, and that becomes easier. Um, um, so number B is going to be the, the, the other way we can think of it is, well, this is addressed to genuine believers, right? Um, who are truly saved. And in that case, we have to think, uh, we have to think through a couple things. Uh, one idea is that it's hypothetical rejection. So he's saying, uh, it's not possible, for a true believer to reject Christ. But if it was, and that person did, he wouldn't be permitted to return. Unfortunately, or that, that'd be really easy. I wish it was like that, but it's not, uh, or I don't think so. Uh, as I read the passage, especially uh, 6, 4 through 8, um, what I find is that it, that interpretation doesn't really jive with the rest of Hebrews, right? The rest of Hebrews is about not looking back. It's about not going back to what you were, Uh, and I don't don't understand what point it would be making if it said, well, you know, hypothetically, if you could leave, then, like, that just doesn't make sense in context. Uh, Second, uh, community rejection, Uh, and this idea is, as a church community, if you reject Christ, if you say, look and this kind of does comport right with the, the the meaning of hebrews that is if i'm a if we're a jewish congregation and we flip the switch one day and say you know what we're not really uh christians we're we're this is a synagogue now basically um we're we're now just jewish believers we've rejected christ um from from the perspective of um that like this this idea of, of of the warning passages in Hebrews, what's being said then is, well, as a community, you're you're not going to be called to serve Christ like that. You can't reject him once and then come back in that way as a community, uh, and that has some appeal to me. Uh, in part because this is addressed to a community of people, right? It's um, it's not addressed to a person, so that the community can. Um, my problem with it, I guess, is that that to, as we read about salvation in uh, the Gospels and, and even in the writings of Paul and even in this very book, it's um, it's not a community decision whether I get into heaven or not or move into a relationship with Christ. Um, it's it's a, a personal relationship between he and I. Um, so that kind of community rejection, I think, doesn't make a lot of sense within that framework Um, third, uh, could be true rejection, uh, like they actually apostatized, they, they were truly saved, they used to believe, and now they just say, I don't, I don't believe. Um, and then finally, it could be, um, yeah, I don't know why that's up there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, go ahead and, um go to... Well, I think that's it. Um, So, I'm sorry. Very confused. Uh, I told you I was scared to teach this. That's why the notes aren't any good. Um, I think the best interpretation... And I'll just leave you with this. Um, If you've learned nothing tonight, uh, it should be uh, three things. One, Jesus is better. Um, Two, don't look back. And three, these passages are, are hard to unpack. But to me... The interpretation that makes the most sense, and the one that seems to be held um, by most of the people who follow our creed and, and uh, who unpack the Bible in a contextual way, is that this really is these, th- these passages really are addressed to people who are truly saved but but the consequence is not loss of salvation but rather a loss of blessing right that they, they um, you <laughs> As um, Christians, we are often uh, spared the natural consequences of our sins um, because God is is just and is just, but also loving and merciful. Um, and I, I think what's being said here is, um, look, the natural consequences of your actions in the event that you reject me, they'll be allowed to play out. Uh, y- you. Um, you may not lose your salvation, you may make it, but you'll make it by the skin of your teeth, you'll lose heavenly reward, um, and you'll lose the, the earthly blessing that often comes with being uh, uh, that often comes with being favored by God.